0: Welcome to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. Our mission is to connect the past and the present NICU mom by bringing them out of isolation and into a sisterhood of women who can stand alongside each other as we heal and grow both
1: in and out of the NICU. Our hope is that through interviews with trauma-informed medical and maternal mental health experts and vulnerable stories from NICU mamas themselves, that you would feel connected to the Dear NICU Mama sisterhood around the world. So, whether your NICU journey was 50 years ago, or whether you
0: find yourself in the NICU today, we hope that this podcast reminds you that you are not alone.
1: Hi, mamas. Welcome back to the Dear NICU Mama podcast. It's your host, Martha and... Ashley 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 are you so tired I am so tired are you so tired (laughs) I'm very tired um I don't know what in what year or month or time frame we will be launching this beautiful episode I mean somebody does but I personally don't and when it (laughs) when it is launched um we will be doing a bit of time traveling because we've just completed a wonderful weekend of camaraderie and community with with our team members. Mm-hmm. And so I am feeling exhausted with love though. <laughs> I don't know if you'll feel the same way. Yes. It's the best kind of exhaustion.
0: The kind mm-hmm. that you sleep really good at night and you also sleep during the day because mm-hmm. you're so exhausted, mm-hmm.
1: but it's and, the best kind. And we've all had to go through like a three-day detox because yes. we eat nothing but Swedish fish, sour straws, beignets. <laughs> Nerd gummy, gummy clusters. Yeah. It's yep. it real yep. mix. I don't think we had a lick of water amongst no. the eight of us, but nope. here we are Very now. dehydrated. Yes. Yep. <laughs> um, anyway, it's so wonderful to to see you, Ash. And as our listeners know, we have the opportunity. <laughs> just <laughs> well, go for it. Yeah. Well, let's just
0: preface that Martha is getting her dream bathtub installed today. Yes. So if you hear construction in the background, it is the work of the Lord putting in a tub in her house.
1: Thank you. I, I will try to mute it if I can. Um so this week, you know, on the podcast, we'll have the opportunity to hear from Nikki moms, hear their stories, hear their journeys of hope. And then other times we have the opportunity to interview experts in the field of neonatology and maternal mental health. And today we have one of the beautiful combos of both. And I could not be more ecstatic to finally welcome Dr. Frankie Harrison on the podcast of Miracle Moon. Welcome.
2: Hello, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. We
0: were just geeking out before we hit record of what it feels like to meet different mamas that we get to connect with on Instagram and and also like different, you know, accounts that we follow and love and, and spread the awareness as well. And so to finally get to see your face, to have a real conversation with you feels very surreal. So thank you so much for being
2: here today. No, same here. It definitely, definitely feels surreal, but... Very exciting at the same time, yes, absolutely.
1: Can I just say you are more beautiful
2: in, yes. in person, quote and yes. then even
1: your your instagram picture show and and you look luminous, <laughs> glowy, you look like an Oprah cashmere sweater come to life <laughs> is what I was saying. I agree. I think it's the ring light. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Do you know what's funny? I don't have a ring light, but I have a sad lamp. And I think that that's, that says a lot about me. I tried to use a ring light once
0: and it just exemplified all of the hairs on my face. And I was like, I don't think I'm ready for this kind of exposure. So <laughs> the fact that, so that the ring light makes you look even more beautiful is a huge compliment to your skin routine. Mm-hmm. So props to you baby white
1: <laughs> <laughs> Really?
2: Ooh,
1: hot tip! Oh, I may have to try that. Mental health professional and a part-time dermatologist. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
0: okay. Well, not only are we excited to do this episode to connect with you and to stare at your beautiful face, but also because you are a very um, special person in the NICU community. Um, We're always so grateful to share little quarters of the internet, as we call them, with other professionals and moms that are, are advocates for NICU parents. And so, you know, we are releasing this episode during NICU Awareness Month and we wanted to have you on here because while social media can be an incredible tool, it's how we connect it with you, it's how we connect with so many of the moms in our community, it can also be a place that triggers us, that brings us back to the epicenters of our trauma. One day, we're seeing pictures of golden retrievers, and the next day, we're seeing a traumatic birth photo, and it's like whiplash, right? Right. And while we're so grateful that moms finally have the opportunity to share their photos, to share their stories, to share their images, because like we say, sharing your story brings another mom out of isolation, sometimes we're just not always in the best place to receive those stories. And so we wanted to have you on to hear your thoughts on what it means to engage with social media when maybe we're in different parts of our healing, you know, and sometimes depending on the time of year that can change. And so we're really excited to have your professional opinion, but also your own personal experience as a NICU mom yourself. So this episode is going to be great. I'm so excited. So can we maybe start with hearing a little bit about your personal NICU journey? You are a NICU mama yourself. Would you be willing to mm-hmm. share just a little bit about your own journey?
2: Yeah, sure. Um I guess. So mine started out in the way that a lot of people start out with not knowing a huge amount about neonatal care. Um, I, I had a pregnancy that was full of um, ups and downs and um, it wasn't straightforward in the way that I had imagined it would be you know you just imagine kind of getting pregnant being pregnant having your baby and there's all these kind of expectations of what that would look like um and I think from you know from week 10 for me that was kind of that was shattered um so uh, around week 10 I um had a a miscarriage while pregnant so I had a a twin miscarriage which was um completely not what I was expecting at all Uh, the thing that I was left with though was going for the scan imagining that they were going to tell me that there wasn't a baby there and then there was a baby there um so it was a whole host of kind of emotions within that that first kind of 10 weeks um I then had various other kind of physical health problems as I was kind of going through it and stresses um and you know I was I was talking to someone else the other day and I was saying I'm I'm quite bad at being able to recount my own story because I don't have a timeline mm. for what actually happened when and I can't retain it. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't retain what week, what happened or anything like that. So I'll just talk generally. Yeah, basically. Um, but generally what happened was my health started to deteriorate and um, I started to get swelling and um, other kind of physical symptoms which were initially palmed off quite quickly by by the doctor um but through kind of me pushing and going something doesn't feel quite right um it kind of escalated and then um I got taken into hospital for about a week with high blood pressure um and they were during that week trying to bring my blood pressure down with medication um but I was so unaware of NICU and of um, prematurity um, and everything that comes with it. They were saying things like, we need to keep you in until you are going to have your baby. And I thought, gosh, we've got another like 10 weeks until I have my baby. I'm going to be in here for a really long time. Um, I-, I managed to go home for a little chunk, but then um, again, my health escalated. Um, and I ended up back in in the kind of high dependency unit with. Um, all of the kind of signs of preeclampsia. Mm. Um, but I again, I wasn't kind of communicated that that is what it was right. um, and what that meant. Um, and I, I think when you're in the kind of throes of trauma, I was thinking, God, why am I in high dependency? Is that right. because they don't have other beds in the other hospital? Like right. I didn't quite connect the fact how, how serious what was going, what was happening. Mm. Um, but eventually they kind of, they did a, an emergency section um, and my baby was born at 31 weeks. Um, and then he was taken into neonatal care um, and we spent about six weeks um, there in general. Um, he had general kind of he, he came out um, breathing and really strong with kind of breathing, which was incredible. Um, but he had kind of issues with his stomach and with kind of feeding and, and things like that. Um, our journey was um difficult because I, I i talk about it quite a lot in terms of um me dissociating so not being able to kind of remember yeah. a lot of what happened um so that is the bit that i struggle a lot with is not being able to remember mm-hmm. him being born or not you know those kind of things that i've that i've kind of struggled with a lot um through that um And then I guess kind of coming home and I had, I kind of moved out of that kind of dissociation and into anxiety, which quite often happens. Um, You kind of shift into anxiety after that. Um, And it was at that kind of point that I started talking to other parents over Instagram because we were then in lockdown. Yeah. So that was when um, the kind of pandemic hit when we were at home. And that's how I started connecting with other parents on Instagram and um, kind of social media, I guess.
1: Yeah. So I think, um, well, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story so thoughtfully and succinctly. I can tell that you're a professional because of the way that you've obviously processed and identified what you were experiencing at the time. You know, I think you make such a great point is that. While we can be so appreciative to our bodies for having the trauma response of protecting us, right. Maybe through dissociation. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely a lot of grief that comes along with that too. Um, yeah. Because your body was protecting you. It wasn't able to do other things. Um, so I like, remember, I completely am with you. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely a twofold experience in terms of emotion. So thank you so much for sharing that Frankie. And what's your son's name?
2: Ollie. So, that is cute. so cute! Oh, we'll oh have gosh. to see pictures like after this immediately. Yeah, <laughs> he's nearly three now. Oh my so, gosh! Right, know. I know. Oh, it's So while I mean, cute. it makes
1: sense in my head, but we lost three years as a culture, so it also. I'm <laughs> like, there's still babies. Everyone born in 20 yeah. is a baby. <laughs> yeah. uh,
0: so was had you already been practicing as a maternal mental health specialist prior to the delivery of your son, or was that later?
2: So, as a, a clinical psychologist uh, in in the UK, I'm not sure how it works in in the US. You are trained across uh, kind of every um, every group sure. that you kind of work with, and the area that I had um, specialised in was actually working with older adults mm. after um, after um, I'd qualified um, and working with people with dementia. And it wasn't until after I had my NICU baby that I started kind of going, wait a second, (laughs) there is no support here for parents who have been through this experience. And I kind of felt like I had been um, through that experience. And as a person who had been through it, and as a person who had the kind of training to be able to talk to other people who had been through similar, um, I felt like I needed to do something with it. Um, So I kind of, I changed my path. Um, I had done work with parents in the past and I had really enjoyed it. Um, But it just felt like it was, I needed to do it, I
0: guess. Absolutely. And I'm curious then, you know, when you talk about, you kind of put together that you had been disassociating and then that Mm -hmm. anxiety. Was that something that you were able to point point like as a mom or was that something that like a provider pointed out to you? I mean, how did you begin to be able to recognize like, I don't remember this because I was disassociating, you know, like when did that kind of click for you?
2: Um, I think it wasn't it wasn't until I got home Mm. when I started to think about it and I started to try and kind of make sense of what had happened. And I started saying things to my husband like, what happened when, you know, I started seeing other people talking about the fact that they had magnesium drips at this time, this many hours before they had their babies. Or um, I remember my friend saying to me that she came and saw me and I had no recollection of the fact that that had happened. So it wasn't until probably that I was home that I kind of realised that that was what was going on for me um, okay. so much, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, in terms of the anxiety and the kind of postnatal anxiety I didn't have any support so I tried to access the support and there just wasn't any support available in my area which is again another reason why I kind of set Miracle Moon up yeah um because I was trying to access the support and it wasn't there um so I knew that I was struggling I knew that I needed to talk about it but it was that um, thing of kind of going, I, I need to talk about this. I need to, I need to find someone to be able to hear me. I need, I want help. I'm trying to access help and it just not being available. Right. Um, so it, I ended up having to kind of pay and go privately and um, to be able to talk to someone, but then do kind through doing my own kind of reading and through what I know as a psychologist, I guess I kind of figured out what was going on for myself and right. um, and the way that i could kind of support myself through it as well yeah
1: i mean that's really incredible that you were able to do that Um, yeah it speaks to you and your wisdom as an individual and self-awareness so today's episode is brought
0: to you by every tiny thing every tiny thing designs and crafts journals care packages and more for families in the nicu founded owned and operated by a practicing nicu nurse every tiny things products aren't just gifts They are
1: meaningful tools which empower parents, encourage involvement, and inspire hope. From milestone cards, calendars, and NICU wear, each item is designed to be as high quality and adorable as any traditional baby product, but made only for the NICU, because NICU parents deserve the very best. Not to mention their caring and compassionate customer service. They understand the NICU experience intrinsically, and they're there for you every step of the way. Best of all, they donate a portion of their profits to
0: NICU-focused nonprofits, and they offer discounts for families looking to give back to their
1: local NICU communities. We highly recommend the NICU Essentials Bundle. It contains all their best-selling items, the journal, milestone cards, and NICU art, Packaged in a sweet NICU memories box to hold all your precious mementos from the NICU days. It's the perfect gift for yourself or loved ones so you can honor and celebrate every tiny thing. For more information and to view their entire
0: product catalog, be sure to visit everytinything.com.
1: I wonder if you could share too, do you find that your perspective on as a as a clinical psychologist, was it helpful or or seem maybe more hurtful when you were trying to evaluate the things you were going through
2: on your own? I think. It really has bonus points and, you know, and and it's difficult at the same time. I think during the first experience of kind of of going through NICU, I say first experience because I've gone on to have a second child who was born at term and didn't need a NICU stay. Um, And in my first experience, I think I very much just went along for the ride because I didn't really know a huge amount about the world or um, about kind of... um, how it would feel kind of becoming a mum and all that kind of comes with that in terms of mental health and everything. So I think I was just along for the ride um, with that. During the second, I think it helped because I was really aware of the fact that I was going to be experiencing a whole bunch of different emotions during that pregnancy. And saying to myself that's okay um it's okay that I'm going to be feeling all of these different emotions right rather than struggling rather than kind of saying I should feel this way or um kind of beating myself up for how I was feeling I guess so it's helpful in that sense um but I also um during my kind of second birth I remember being on the table and I'm laughing because it, it seems funny, but maybe it's not. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember being on the table and just shaking because I felt so nervous because it was another emergency section and just telling all the staff in the room this is a trauma response I'm okay this is a trauma (laughs) response (laughs) and just I'm trying to like reassure other people um in that moment so maybe that was a bit of a a, I guess a hindrance of being so aware of what was going on for myself You know, it, it helped.
0: Well, it's funny you say that. We just had um, one of our team members went to a pediatric appointment that was supposed to be very, like, routine, regular, and she was en- ended up being told that her son needed a surgery or a procedure. So she starts okay. crying, and the nurse was like, are you okay? And she's like, oh, yeah, it's just my PTSD. I have trauma from hospitals. <laughs> But she was yeah. able to be like, no, no, no. It's just my PTSD. This has happened before. Like, I'm really very aware. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Truly,
1: it's not yeah. you. It's Completely. me. Right? Yeah, <laughs> Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, man. Well, and you talked a little bit about how when you came home, you realized there wasn't a lot of support and Instagram and social media became a a safe place where you did find support. And so can you share a little bit about, you know, what it was like for you to share your story, what it was like for you to connect with other moms, especially during the pandemic when there wasn't an opportunity to meet face to face?
2: No. No. I think that w- I think that was it. So I spent quite a lot of time on social media, um, and I started um, kind of documenting a little bit about what was going on for me in um, in NICU. Um, so I started kind of doing a few stories, and I started kind of talking about it quite openly, just on my own personal page. Mm-hmm. Um, and from that, I started kind of connecting with other people who were going through similar at the same time um or people who had been through it previously um and I guess as I was doing it I was I was talking quite openly about the types of feelings that I was having and I remember talking about grief and I remember talking about guilt and kind of this feeling that my body had failed and um, those types of feelings. And that there were lots of people starting to pop up going, me too. I feel like that too. Um, And that was when I started to kind of explore the world of Instagram and kind of connect with other people in that way and I connected with one person called Georgie um who also had her baby at 31 weeks um and we kind of decided to launch up Miracle Moon she's Mm -hmm. a graphic designer so she does um a lot of the kind of website design and kind of supporting with making stuff look nice (laughs) Um, but she's also a great person. So she, we right. just kind of bounce off of each other and I can kind of run things past her. Yeah. Um And she was my kind of support through that, I guess. Um And it was at that point that we just kind of got said, okay, we've got something here between the two of us in the fact that we can support other mums um and in the same cu- way that you guys do with that with that message of you're not alone mm-hmm. and you're not alone in the way that you're feeling and you're not away in the way that you're thinking mm-hmm. and just by kind of talking about it it makes people feel less isolated yeah so that was our kind of our pull to do that
1: that sounds so lovely
2: and also <laughs>
1: so beautiful and kind of familiar. We know about mm-hmm. that, about making internet yeah. friends for life. Um, yeah, I, I think this is one of the cool things, if there is a cool thing that came out of the pandemic, is the weight and power that social media interactions can have in trauma healing. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what you see as the power of storytelling and sharing your journey specifically on social media and what effects has that had on the people who are part of your community and on you
2: yeah definitely I mean for me the process of when I was in it and being able to share my story was actually really powerful and I've got those stories to go back and look at I've got the pictures I've got the videos I've got what my experience was in that moment and actually that was really helpful for me so that I could you know whilst I was struggling with piecing things together I've got it I've got it pieced together so that I can go back and look at it to a degree um, so there was that in terms of finding it helpful in that sense I think it it helps us to connect it helps us to connect to ourselves to our story, to what's gone on for us, to our identity, I guess, in that sense, in the way that it's shifting. It's helping us to kind of create a narrative of what's going on for us. And it helps us to kind of connect to other people who are going through similar things. Mm -hmm. So it makes it kind of helps us to make sense of what's going on. It helps us to process it. It helps us to process what happened by naming it. And saying it kind of out loud, mm-hmm. I guess.
0: Yeah. I'd be interested, too, to know. Because for me, I when my son was born, I didn't post about his birth for, like, I think it was, like, five weeks, you know. And I right. had friends who were, like when are you going to post about Silas being born? Like, he's here. Like, when are you? And it wasn't that I wasn't excited that he was here. It was more so I was so scared to say something and then something happened. And so did you ever feel that vulnerability as well in sharing of just like, oh my gosh, I'm sharing this to the world when I still don't know so much about our journey? Or, you know, what was that like for you to step over that threshold of vulnerability?
2: I think when I did it, it felt really safe because it was my personal c- account that was very small Yeah, and um, it wasn't to loads and loads of people. And it wasn't until I started kind of reaching out that, um, you know, my pri- my account wasn't private backman, but I, I didn't have lots and lots of followers yeah. in that sense. So it felt safer yeah. in that sense. And the reactions that I was getting back was just encouragement. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that that's where my focus was on Um, I know when um, I spoke to Georgie about it, she spoke about that bit of not wanting to um, even focus on the future because that felt too scary, too vulnerable. And I know a lot of people talk about, for example, this feeling of like not wanting to be congratulated even because that even feels too scary and too vulnerable. So I think it's about kind of figuring out where you're at in terms of that level of vulnerability and what's okay. It's okay not to share for five weeks and it's okay to share the day off is whatever Mm. is helpful for you, I guess. Yeah.
0: I remember receiving different support based on the platform that I shared it on. And, you Mm. know, for example, on Instagram, I, I had probably more like closer friends, like people that were following me because they knew me, you know, more on Facebook, I still had like a lot of people that I hadn't talked to since like high school or, you know, that kind of stuff. And when I shared it on Instagram, the response was very much like that encouragement. There was some congratulations, which like you said, felt kind of like, you know, Mm -hmm. grief and joy in that. Right. But on Facebook, because these people didn't know me, they didn't know, you know, anything about me, they would, they were apologizing to me they were saying, right. saying things like, I'm so sorry, like, I'm so... And I was like, wait, why are you saying sorry? Like, I, I don't... Mm. He's here. Like, And it was very hard to process other people's emotions towards my birth. <laughs> and so yeah. sometimes it's like, there's a different response based on the platform that you share it with. And overall, I have felt like Instagram has been a little bit of a safer place versus Facebook. Like, and I don't know if that's just a nature of a platform thing,
2: <laughs> but... Yeah, I don't know. And I, I think that kind of... Nature for me of kind of toxic positivity exists a little yes. bit more yeah on um, facebook so generally we kind of stick to the instagram yeah. side of stuff um <laughs> because it, it, it does feel safer yeah i guess in sharing vulnerably and i think that's important to be aware of yeah so noticing where i can share when i can share and does that feel okay yep. yeah definitely
1: i think it's really helpful for listeners who think who maybe haven't shared yet because we've got members on our leadership team who are many years post NICU and have not, don't post about it there because they're not ready. And that's okay. But I wonder if part of the evaluation of determining whether you're ready is also coming up with that kind of plan about these platforms make more sense for me and my family and my connections, or also Mm -hmm. I'm able to turn off comments And I'm able to ignore DMs and I'm able to do X, Y, and Z setting some healthy boundaries. That seems like it might be wise. I'm assuming that's maybe what you recommend to your clients
2: and also just the people in your community too. I think it's about definitely doing that and it's kind of just taking a bit of time to really think about what it is that's going to be helpful Mm -hmm. for you and in the way that you do not You don't have to share on social media. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to at all, you don't have to share your birth story in the way that it seems to be that like celebrities kind of just get asked straight away, what was your birth story? (laughs) Like, You don't have to kind of share that. That can be a personal thing for you too. But equally, if you would find it helpful to share absolutely set your boundaries around that so in the way that you want to do that and if you want to kind of share and then take a little bit of a step back do that too but I think you know taking a step out of social media writing it down generally and just having it for you is really powerful um having a kind of space to kind of think about how it's making you feel and we've got something called a a birth reflections um service over here which is where they just go through your notes with you Mm. and just kind of chronologically tell you what happened and for me that was hugely helpful because it allowed me to piece together actually what happened in a really factual way um without having all the different layers of emotion around it i guess so what decisions were made why and that helped me Um, because I guess you make sense in your head. You have this kind of narrative of what happened and it can be incorrect um so there was part of me uh, and again kind of trauma trauma response was was i making it up mm. so and i remember having that kind of feeling of like was i making up that i felt like as bad as i did like did it need to escalate in that way or or was it something i was putting on and i and i remember going to that birth reflections meeting and then being like no it needed to happen we had all these indicators that said that it was pretty clancy it wasn't just what you were telling us right. um so it's really important to be aware of the narrative you're telling Yourself, I think, as well.
1: Yeah, is that part of the like the healthcare system in the UK that that's that birth elections meaning?
2: Yeah, wow, yeah, it's optional, cool. and it's yeah, it's something that you can access yourself. um You have to ask for it, and um, it's not talked about widely, um but it wow. is something that you can have access to. Yeah,
1: my mind is blown. That was, <laughs> that would be just so wildly helpful. I just got my medical records for my son. From seven years ago when I went through those and I it was incredibly overwhelming there was just so much in there yeah. that I didn't know about because what they put I think you know in notes and what they share bedside and then also what you hear because you're in the middle of the throes of everything are just totally different I think that oh yeah that sounds like such a pro- powerful exercise for for family yeah
2: And I mean, trying to read through the notes and make sense of Uh all the medical jargon and stuff, and they're so big, there's so much Mm -hmm. of them, that to me doesn't sound massively, I don't know, helpful. I think I would have really struggled with that.
1: I don't think it was a great idea that I did by myself, Frankie. I think it was a bad idea. And then I called Ashley afterwards and she was like, I concur. I think that was also a bad idea. But, you know, I saw my therapist and it's fine now. But Yeah.
0: (laughs) Man, well... Can we maybe talk a little bit about – and maybe there isn't, like, a perfect formula, but, you know, when can a mom maybe know that, like, okay – I'm ready to share my story or maybe I'm not ready to share my story or if she shares her story, what are some helpful things that she can do to guard her heart, maybe like protect herself a little bit from like what we call vulnerability hangover where you're like, oh my gosh, I just shared my story and there's like potential strangers who are going to read it and that kind of thing. You know, Do you have any safe practices that a mom can implement when they're ready to share it
2: online? I think generally my... A stance on that kind of thing is to just keep checking in with yourself mm-hmm. and notice how am I feeling in this notice it don't judge it if it feels heavy today respect that take a little bit of a step back it's about being kind of in tune with yourself and saying to yourself, do I need to take a little bit of a break here? What do I need? What do I need right now? And kind of connecting with yourself in that way. Do I need to, you know, I've I've done this and I've shared this. Do I need to take a step back? Do I need to engage with it? Do I need to take a step and go outside? Do I need to, you know, write, sing, dance, connect with my kids? Do I need to put my phone away for a bit? And it's kind of just having a little bit of awareness of what i need in this moment and kind of meeting that in a kind of in a kind way um being kind of gentle with yourself in the fact that you know there might be some things that are particularly triggering when you're kind of sharing your story um and you know we were talking about the fact that you know NICU awareness month can be particularly triggering of um you know, what you had previously been through, so like images or like sounds and stuff like that can be particularly triggering. But I think just generally being a parent who's been through NICU and being on social media can be triggering for other reasons. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I I know I talked about things like seeing um, a newborn on a mum's chest or seeing a, a perfect birth or the golden hour or, you know, all those types of things, that can be triggering too. Yeah. So it's about protecting yourself in that space and knowing that when you're scrolling you're not sure what's going to be popping up Mm -hmm. and and stuff as you're as you're doing it um so it's checking in with yourself and kind of honoring what you need in those moments and meeting your needs doing it in a curious way not beating yourself up for how you're feeling Mm -hmm. in that in that moment yeah so if you're noticing that you've got these shoulds you know I should be fine with this or this is ridiculous that I'm feeling this way or um I shouldn't be feeling like this so far down the line or whatever it is catch that Mm self-talk and kind of you know speak to yourself as you would do someone that you loved
0: yeah I think what that does too is it eliminates a lot of shame because I had shame of like you know, oh, I should be sharing my story more or I should be giving more Mm -hmm. updates because people wanted updates, right? They were like, how's he doing? I want to see pictures and different things. Mm -hmm. And I would see other parents who were so open about sharing. And I finally had to kind of come to this realization that like sharing for this mom is healing. Sharing for Mm -hmm. me right now is not. And honoring that every NICU mom is going to have a different level of feeling comfortable a different level of what's helpful or healing for her and really that gives you freedom and permission to honor your heart in the process and also honor hers you know and so i love that you kind of say like acknowledge it without judgment i think that Mm -hmm. is a beautiful practice those thoughts come and instead of judging them we 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 get curious why am i feeling this way i love that
2: yeah And I think also it's about, like you just said, it's catching the comparison. So Mm. I don't talk about stopping the comparison because we are social creatures. We're kind of like we're pack creatures. We're going to compare. We're going to compare to other people because that's how we situate ourselves in the world. So we're going to compare to other people who have been through difficult things, who've been through NICU, who haven't been through NICU, you know, babies that are at the same gestation or, um, you know, who are a term, we're just going to do that. But it's about catching that comparison and, again, asking yourself, is it helpful for me right now? Yeah. Is this is this serving me right now? And, you know, we talk about the fact that you can't control that first thought, that first thought that comes in, that comparison, that should, that, that criticism, but you can choose the second thought, you can choose the action. So it's about then kind of reassessing in that kind of moment. Okay, I'm, st- I'm noticing that I'm starting to compare here. I notice that I'm starting to be mean to myself. What do I do about that?
0: So, okay, sometimes we put our um, professionals on the spot. Can I put you on the spot and do, like, a live <laughs> yeah. exercise? Okay. So let's say I'm scrolling Instagram and I see another Nikki mom story and I, I get, you know, I compare, right? And so I catch that, comparative, that comparison. What do I do with it? What is, like, a, you know, kind of a gentle practice of, like, catching that comparison and then moving forward?
2: So... In that moment, what I would do is I would say to myself, okay, I notice. I notice that I am starting to compare. So by kind of saying I notice that I'm doing it, it kind of gives it a little bit of distance. Mm. So I notice that I'm starting to compare what is it that I need to do right now? Do I need to kind of connect with myself and connect with my present moment and what's actually going on here? So you might do some some kind of practice that allows you to do that. So you might take a little bit of a breath. You might focus on what's going on in front of you. You might kind of focus on your senses in a way that kind of grounds yourself. So what can you see here? Touch, taste, smell. Be aware of how it's kind of feeling in your body, how um, those kind of emotions, what they're kind of bringing up, where they're sitting in your body, what do they look like? What do they feel like? do you need to kind of write it down Mm. do you need to talk to somebody about it do you need to just let it go Mm. and is there a way that you're able to kind of let that go and is that through you know for some people talking for some people it's imagining the thoughts and imagining them kind of moving watching them move and for some people it is things like going for a run moving stretching uh, breathing being creative Mm. so engaging in something that allows you to kind of shift that emotion rather than it being stuck and spiraling mm. I guess I love that yeah
1: yeah. I think yeah. that even draws on another uh, point of comparison that pops up now within the world of social media there is endless commentary and resources in the realm of yeah. trauma healing Good, bad whatever whatever <laughs> and there are lots of incredibly wonderful trauma informed uh, accounts out there and people sharing advice, things that work for them. Um, and then there's also things that are not going to serve us, right Whether it's the tone or the type of practice or strategy or methodology not all of there is no one-size fits all for NICU trauma mm-hmm. healing one thing I know I struggled with was seeing something, you know, a suggestion, an idea, a concept surrounding trauma healing and thinking, well, that doesn't work for me. That doesn't serve me. So there must be something wrong with me getting defensive. You know, Um, I see, you know, the comment section in social media exists, right? So what are some ways we can confront those kinds of cognitive distortions, those ideas that like, I am not reacting well to this message or this type of strategy to support my trauma healing. There's something wrong with me.
2: I think it's really important to keep in mind that, you know, Instagram isn't therapy. Yeah, <laughs> It's Amen. not nuanced, Amen. right? It doesn't take into context your complexity as a human. It doesn't take into account your story from like, you know, when you were little and everything that comes with that. Mm. Um, so, you know, you can have a suggestion of how to breathe or be mindful or something like that on Instagram that people talk about, but for every single person that's going to be received differently in the way that they kind of perceive what, what is being written and also whether, um, it's helpful or not. Mm. So when I work with someone individually, it's about going, okay, what works for you? And let's focus on that. And then we've got tons of different tools that we can kind of try out. And we would check out, okay, what's your belief about this? As you're trying this, have you got your kind of, as you're trying something new, as you're trying an exercise, do you have your thought process that kind of goes, this isn't working for me? Is that stopping you? Or is, you know, do we need to try something else? So it is completely nuanced doing therapy. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be about you. Instagram is so generalized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think it's about, really again kind of catching that when that when that starts to happen there is nothing wrong with you it's just that instagram is not your therapy yeah Absolutely. that's so good
1: oh and, he, yeah. and i would say that's even the true about all the beautiful content that dear name nikki mama puts together we are education we're advocacy we're peer representation but at the end of the day There's a limitation there and it is so important for you to pursue healing in the way that makes sense for you and alongside a professional, because God knows we're peer professionals, but we're not mental health professionals. Um, Yeah, exactly. I'm a professional at finding Twizzlers in the grocery store. Am I right? Um, Anyway, but I I don't know if you were going to comment on that too, Ashley, but I definitely that even you just vocalizing that out loud made me feel so much better. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I'm always trying to, like, self-diagnose while I'm on social media. And that's maybe not the healthiest practice. Oh, we practice. Are.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And if you're saturated in, like, mental health stuff and trauma and healing and that's what your feed is, and it's full of NICU and stories and all that stuff, sometimes it is, you know, about being curious about that and going, wait a second, do I need to take a step back? Yeah. Do I need to mute some of these accounts so that, you know, they're there? But I can choose when I engage with them rather than it being – part of my everyday just scrolling is that you know it can be a lot yeah in that sense so do i need to just take a minute take a bit of a step back Phil, you know my my sister is a photographer um a dance photographer and her feed is full of art and dance and creativity and wow. it's beautiful and it's so like lovely to look at um whereas mine is full of trauma and <laughs> mental health and um and that can sit heavy sometimes yeah. um so it is about kind of checking in with yourself and maybe following some accounts that bring you joy and relief and stuff at the same time definitely
0: if you are a long-time listener of the Dan Nicky Mama podcast, or you have found yourself enjoying this episode, we would greatly appreciate a review on iTunes.
1: Reviews on Apple and other platforms help other mamas and friends just like you find our podcast, help boost us so that we are more available and accessible to others, and they let us know that you're loving what you're hearing too. So we love to hear the stories that
0: you're connecting with. We love to hear how the episodes resonate with you, and having that review is a great way for us to get a really tangible feel of how this podcast resonates with your heart. So maybe on that note then, like, what are, what are some, like... Key tell things of okay maybe I need to mute like what are some ways that we can acknowledge within ourselves like okay I might need to unfollow or mute this account for a time maybe it's something that they feel in their body or a thought that comes across their mind like what are some of those key tell signs?
2: So I guess from a personal experience I was following um, some different parenting uh, accounts um, and I was just really aware that as I was parenting I was thinking about am I doing this right? Um, I was thinking about the content that those people were creating and it was creating a sense of tension in me. And I noticed that I wasn't then authentically parenting in the way that I felt like I needed to in that moment. So for me, I then said to myself, okay, these accounts are great. I love them. And I think they're so informative. So I'm just going to mute them and I'm going to accept them whenever I need to. Maybe search for content that I need. Um, If there's like, you know, a particular thing on like my kids throwing themselves on the floor, what do I do in this moment? (laughs) Um, or, Or something. But I guess... I then muted them, and then I can access that whenever I needed to. I was aware of the fact that I had this kind of tension in my body, that I felt sad, that I felt um, like I wasn't being kind of authentic in my kind of reactions. But I guess for for me, I'm very aware of my feelings and my thoughts because I create space in every day to check in with myself. So if you're not, what does that look like? So for me, I do it while I particularly, while I take off my makeup. So it's as part of my kind of evening routine, because if oh, I don't, fair. if I don't attach it to um, an activity that I'm doing, I don't do it. So I do it whilst yeah. I'm taking off my makeup. So I just do a general check in. How am I doing? How am I feeling? Have I got anything that's kind of hanging around for me? How am I noticing anything kind of in my body right now? What's going on for me? And kind of thinking about that. And it might be that you move into kind of journaling a little bit. You might kind of write down some of those kind of thoughts that are kind of coming up for you. Um, It might be that you talk to somebody about it. Um, But it's just taking those tiny mindful moments and it can be attached to anything but sometimes I do it while I'm kind of watering the flowers and stuff like that because that's quite a a moment um to just kind of you are so cute <laughs> that is amazing I
0: can like picture that in my head just like watering your flowers and thinking out, like I love that's so beautiful yeah
2: well I guess the thing is is that either in those moments you know you're taking off your makeup you're kind of watering your plants, your brains elsewhere it's in the past or it's in the present or it's kind of you know it's spiraling in some kind of way you're creating stories that don't exist you know all that kind yeah. of stuff's going on so by checking in and actually doing that grounding bit and kind of going how am I doing for me that's hugely helpful but it takes effort and it takes habit to be able to do that
1: right
0: that that also is so encouraging because it feels possible Uh you know like it's not like this 10-step routine that you have to do at five in the morning it's like okay how can we implement this into something that i already do like getting ready for bed and it's like that feels much more tangible than having to do like a 10-step routine of some
1: kind so i love that yeah i can already think too washing bottles, um, uh, loading the dishwasher, um, taking the trash out. I'm just thinking all the things, it's not my just home to do list now. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many like day-to-day tasks we do, especially as parents that, Mm -hmm. that feel like, um, routine Mm -hmm. and structured. So uh, that is so beautiful. I love that idea.
0: Yeah. I love that. So we've talked a little bit about how, you know, muting accounts or unfollowing temporarily and going into NICU Awareness Month, it's such a beautiful month. We are big fans of it, obviously, as NICU families getting to see the resilient stories of of NICU mamas and their miracles everywhere. But sometimes, depending on the place that we are in our healing, it can feel really overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes, like you said, we hear the monitors beep we see the isolates, we see the emotion in an image, and we're instantly brought back to our own experiences. And sometimes that's really helpful. And we're like, oh, I forgot about that part of my story. And other times it can kind of send us into like a dysregulated state. Mm. And so, you know, what are some gentle ways that we can engage with months like NICU Awareness Month when posts that we see
2: often trigger something in our own story? I think it's about how you look after yourself in it so I think you know we are really aware of the fact that NICU awareness month is coming up um I know you'll be talking about it I'll be talking about it and kind of preparing people in a sense of kind of going you know it's going to be quite NICU heavy right now it might be that things still feel raw so plan in some extra time within that month to do some things to look after you to create a space mm-hmm. for you maybe book in that kind of extra time with a friend or someone who gets mm-hmm. it where you can have that extra kind of conversation with someone and kind of talking about hey like how are you feeling about it right now it even tiny little things that can be like looking after yourself so like um you know having a cup of tea in your favorite mug or just um mm-hmm. you know holding your nikki baby a little bit tighter um writing down what's coming up from you uh, what's coming up for you um, it, and just kind of checking in every now and again and I think developing some kind of practices for yourself that work so rather than going into your usual kind of habits of coping which are maybe things like I don't know avoiding, distracting, pushing down feelings, again beating yourself yourself up for feeling the way that you do um whatever it is that that is your normal of managing those kind of emotions seeing whether you can do something different about it so seeing whether you Mm -hmm. can do something like talking about it writing about it um or just sitting there with that kind of feeling and being aware of the fact that it's there i feel sad i notice that i'm feeling sad right now and what do you kind of do with that maybe allowing yourself to cry maybe allowing yourself that space to be able to do that and I guess it's it's kind of, again, kind of figuring out in that moment, what do I need and what's most helpful for me in this kind of space right now?
1: I wonder, too, if um, how you mentioned that acknowledging and identifying, that's such a huge part of it. You know, you mentioned dissociation, I think probably every human being on the face of the planet dissociates by scrolling through social media oh, yeah. itself, Yeah. right? Yeah. So like even being aware of that practice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I just know I, someone had told me one time, notice how many times you just op- pick up your phone and open up Instagram without even thinking of it. Yeah. And I mean, it's hundreds of times a day. Yeah. So um, I love what you said about that because I think even that practice of being aware can help create that space too.
2: I think it's like, you know, noticing is a bit of a superpower, and it feels so simple, maybe. But just having that space where you've always got this part of you that's able to be aware and always able to notice. So you've got these feelings that are kind of like storming, maybe like a bit like storm clouds. Feelings kind of come, they go like clouds, feelings, thoughts pass and they go. But we've always got that part of us that is noticing, that's able to notice. And that's like the blue of the sky right so we've always got that part of us that we can kind of come back to that is it that we're able to check in and just go okay i notice what i'm doing i notice what i'm thinking i notice what i'm feeling and the more we can check in with that part of us the more awareness we can build and then the more choice that we have in how we're acting and what we're doing
1: yeah can i also say noticing is such a gentler term than like mindfulness practice or something like that because I get so overwhelmed when i like I don't have 30 minutes a day to meditate but that is so (laughs) lovely and seems so refined and simple so Mm. you should trademark that Frankie (laughs) the word noticing TM yes well it
0: makes it makes trauma healing a lot less scary and intimidating because again, on social media, there's a lot of opinions on what mindfulness looks like, what trauma is or isn't, what trauma healing looks like. But when you kind of bring it down to this term of noticing, of, of you know, catching those thoughts instead of like trying to eradicate those thoughts, acknowledging that like we are human beings, it's natural to feel the things that we feel. You're not broken. Like that gives you such a different posture when you engage in healing than shame or the shoulds or getting stuck in that trap of comparison.
2: Yeah, definitely. Definitely.
0: So good. One thing that one of our other guests one time mentioned that I loved, and I think I might do it for the month of September is, she created like a private account where Mm -hmm. she only follows things that she loves and bring her joy. So I think what was hers, like chickens or, or I don't remember, it was something like very simple, but whenever she Mm -hmm. felt overwhelmed with social media, she would just go and follow, like she had this other account that was private and it was literally just for her enjoyment. It was like, Mm -hmm. I just follow things I love. I don't follow anything serious. It's just pictures of flowers and gardens and houses. And she kind of has like this backup account that she can go to when she doesn't want to be inundated with like random you know triggering things and i love that idea
2: yeah definitely that's what that's what i do i kind of separate my accounts and my personal account is just things that bring me joy and you know people posting like pictures of their kids and like me wanting to kind of yeah. keep up to date with kind of that kind of stuff but then my the miracle moon account is full of like all of the kind of mental health and base stuff i need i need to and want to engage with at the same time But it's how much i choose to scroll um and again doing that in a way that i'm aware of um which i don't always i get caught in the rabbit hole of scrolling um and i don't check in with myself and i feel really sad and then i'm like oh wait Mm. (laughs) i I feel really (laughs) sad um because i'm human and that's what we all do (laughs) yep yep of course yeah Yep. yep Fun.
0: Well, I, we're also curious, we have this question written down, but what does Miracle Moon mean? Oh, yeah. So
2: it's a bit of, a <laughs> so myself and Georgie were kind of playing around with what we wanted to say about the business. And we wanted a name that encapsulated like all NICU babies and we landed on Miracle as a way to kind of describe that as all of them Mm -hmm. Um, Mm and the word moon came about because you know I talk about things that make me feel calm and grounded and that is the sky (laughs) so I Mm -hmm. love a sunset I love um, I love stars and I love all that kind of thing so that makes me feel really Mm -hmm. kind of connected and I can just step outside of an evening take a deep breath and really look at the sky and that helps me um yeah. so I remember sitting and pumping at night while my baby was in the NICU and just looking at the sky looking at the moon mm. um and feeling some kind of comfort that there was this blanket of night sky that was kind of above me and above my baby so we just kind of landed on this idea of miracle moon um
0: that's so beautiful and it's you know it
2: has alliteration in it which love a bit of alliteration <laughs>
0: Oh, that's <laughs> lovely. Oh my gosh, that's that's so, so lovely. I love that blanket of stars. That's really pretty. Well, Frankie, thank you so much for spending time with us today. I know, as a NICU mom myself and someone who engages on social media often, I feel very empowered. I feel very, um, like these steps that you talked about are very practical and tangible. And um, I appreciate that you you come at them with a, a lot of gentleness and a lot of self-compassion. And so thank you for being an account on the internet. And we will make sure to take where our listeners can follow and find you. Um, I mentioned it before, but as an organization, we're just really grateful to have another wonderful account that we can send moms to and that we trust. And so thank you for the work that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, And to any of the NICU mamas listening, that no matter where you are in your healing journey, you find yourself in those comparison traps or those sticky thoughts or you're on social media and it feels really overwhelming. We hope that this episode just reminds you that you are in control. When there's a lot that we can't control, you get to control and decide what you engage with, how you engage with it. And there's no shame if you need to take a break. There's no shame if you need to engage more. The most important thing is that you're honoring your heart in the process and, uh, and talking to yourself as if you would a dearly loved friend. And so um, we're so grateful to connect with you on platforms like Instagram, but know that we're also not offended if you need to unfollow or mute for a season as well. And so um, know that we're always here for you. We exist for you, but we also understand if you need to pause as well. So we love this community. We love this sisterhood. As we celebrate uh, NICU Awareness Month, we hope that your heart feels honored and guarded. And um, we can't wait to connect with you here more. So we will be back next week with another lovely episode. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to this
1: week's episode of the Dear NICU Mama podcast. If you loved this episode, we'd be so grateful for a review on any of the podcast platforms. And we'd love to
0: continue connecting with you via our social media pages or our private Facebook group. And ultimately, Miniki Mama, welcome to the sisterhood.